The following audio is from the Grove Church Marysville campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Well, good morning. It's great to be home from Deutschland. Um, so, yeah, I was in Germany, so I just picked up the accent. But uh, no, it's, it's good to be back. Actually, I met, met a new friend, Mike Ungverzot. He's on the front row here. He's a pastor down in Vancouver, and they do Saturday night services, so he's been harassing me all week about coming. And I didn't believe him, and then he showed up with his beautiful wife, and uh, so it's fun to have them. Why don't you give him a hand for being here, um, hanging out with us today? <clears throat> Um, great trip, though, as far as like, it's fun to hear from church leaders in, in the UK and in Germany just about what they're doing, how they're working on reaching their communities. And um, I think there are a lot of similarities. I think we both picked up on this. A lot of similarities as far as it's not rocket science. It's really about loving the people in your community, expressing God's love in Christ through service. And um, it, was, it was a good trip that way. So I um, appreciate you praying for us as we were there. Um, and it is definitely always good to get home. I um, want to mention real quick that um, we, we increased our missions giving this last fall substantially picked up some new missionaries also as well as another church plant well the church is called Rhythm Church and um, it's a church that Jeff Moores is leading and if you know him he's been in Marysville for a while I know Steve McKinley's clapping because he knows Jeff but um, they launched their, their first service was this last Sunday and um, I heard from Jeff we were praying for them I heard from Jeff um, just a few days ago and he said they had over 600 in attendance in two services and they had over 30 people give their lives to Christ on their first Sunday. So yeah. I want to encourage you, if you want to check out, they did a little recap video. It's honestly, it's about eight minutes long. You can go to our social media page, our Facebook page, uh, Grove, and uh, check that out. Click on that link and see what's going on there. But continue to pray for Rhythm Church. It's down in Oceanside, California. And some of you guys are like, I want to go down there right now because isn't it sunny? And anyway, so, but um, you have to stay here. Uh, also, I want to mention that uh, just real quick, uh, I had somebody actually ask me this morning about um, mission trips coming up. And normally we like to give 12 months notice, but we had a couple of trips that didn't work out the way we wanted to. And so we, we kind of re-upped in communication with some, some new areas. And we've actually got a trip this um, June that's available. And if you want to be a part of it, it's part of expanding a school in Guatemala. And if you're interested, it doesn't mean you're committed, but if you're interested in finding out more information, the dates are June 22nd through July 2nd. It's shorter notice than we typically like to give, but if, if it's something you want to find out more about, you can go to grovechurch.info and find it. You can also head to the hub, our information center in the lobby after church, and check out some more details. We're looking for um, about a dozen individuals or more to be a part of that, and if you want to go, um, it's, it's always a great time. And then the other one, and it's really short notice, but it's because it's relief work from the devastation in the Bahamas. Um, March 7 through 14, we heard back from those organizing some of the relief work down in the Bahamas that, uh, that they could have us show up March 7 through 14. If you're interested, again, short notice, but if you can do that, it's relief work. I've been a part of these trips in Katrina a couple of years in a row down in New Orleans. Um, just, you can, again, go to Grove church.info, click on some of the info there. And if you want to sign up for details, again, another dozen people will make that trip happen. That's really short notice, but if you're interested, we can definitely, um, I'll be leading that team, definitely make that 
happen. Um, we're in a series called Life Hacks today. Today's part two, and um, Ryan did a great job of opening up this series last week as he talked about, out of Philippians, what Paul has to say to the church as far as the power of where we fix our minds. And he, he again, uh, talked a lot about the power of fixing our minds on the right things and, and what that means. And it's not just kind of this pop culture power of positive thinking thing. It really is something that Paul is saying in the midst of a letter that he's writing to a church. We call it Philippians. It was a really a letter to the church at Philippi. Throughout that letter, he's talking about the need for you and I to hold on to joy in the midst of all that goes on. And he says one of the great ways to understand how to do it is to meditate, to focus, to fix your gaze on the right things. That was part one. Ryan did a great job. You can always listen online. Today's part two, and we're going to take on one word, and it's the word truth. Everybody say truth. Okay, so as we jump in, um, I, I want to mention that when you look at what Paul says, the first thing he starts with, he says, fix your gaze on whatsoever things are, and he starts with this word, true. We live in a weird world where people all the time are saying, is there any such thing really as truth? And you have people that talk about, well, my truth is my truth, and your truth is your truth, and if you really get down to where that leads, it really is meaningless. It doesn't really make any sense, because they're, they're, you know people talk about relative truth and objective truth and all this stuff. And what happens is there, there are things that are true for me, but not true for you. There is someone here like me that would say brownies are the best food ever. Anybody with me on that one? Few, yeah, amazing. In fact, last night before I went to bed, I had brownies and milk, and it was amazing. Anyway, um, but there's others that would go, that's not true at all. My wife is one of those because she doesn't like chocolate. So that's my truth. It's not hers. That's called relative truth. The problem is people put into the category of relative truth things that really are substantially um, true or important as far as like, look, this is true whether you agree or not. Gravity, you know, things fall at 9.6 meters per second squared, period. That's just true. You can argue that it's not true, but it is true. Um, there are other things, again, as you move towards spiritual matters, and Jesus is going to bring this up in John chapter 8 because it's a very important conversation. In fact, I want to encourage you to go, go ahead and turn to John chapter 8, and we'll get to that momentarily. Paul says, fix your gaze on what's true in Philippians 4, 8. One of the great problems, and I'm going to start with the antithesis, one of the great problems when it comes to you and I operating in truth is simply this. We don't always do it. If we're aware, we face battles every day. We face battles moment by moment, situation by situation, where there are, there are things that play into our world that it's easy to buy into stuff that isn't true. We don't always operate in truth. And at the core, when it comes down to it, and you ask the question, well, why not? I would encourage you to start here. It starts with the enemy of our souls. As we read through the Gospels, Scripture is very clear that there is an enemy. Jesus experienced it, in fact, in Matthew chapter 4 as well as Luke chapter 4. It talks about that Jesus was led by the Spirit out into the wilderness. It says specifically to be tempted by the devil. And we're going to come back to that here in a few moments. Not only did Jesus experience it, Jesus declared it. He said, and it's something I've mentioned many times in John 10, verse 10, the enemy has come to steal and kill and destroy. So Jesus not only experienced it, Jesus also declared it. 
The, the, the founders of the New Testament church, Peter and Paul and James, the half-brother of Jesus, as well as John, brought this conversation up to the New Testament church. Let me go back to, and if you're taking notes, you probably want to write these down. Paul said to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 6.11, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of wickedness in high places. That's Paul. Peter said in 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9, be alert and of sober mind for the enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, (coughs) standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kinds of of sufferings. Paul, uh, Peter said it. James in James 4, verse 7. Again, write that verse down. James is the half-brother of Jesus. He's the leader at the church in Jerusalem. Said this, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. See, Paul says, you and I have got to understand there is an enemy, and so we've got to be very aware of the need to fix our eyes on truth because the enemy, number two, will get us off track by lying to us, and that's where we land in John chapter 8. Jesus has this conversation with the religious leaders in John 8, and it says this, Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and now I'm here. I have not come on my own, but he sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and want to carry out his desires. I can imagine the crowd isn't exactly smiling at Jesus at this point. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. This is Jesus telling this to the religious leaders. Yet, Jesus says, because I tell the truth, why don't you believe me? He who belongs to God, here's what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Jesus is saying to a crowd of people who who don't believe in who he is, the reason you don't believe is because you belong to the enemy. The enemy is a liar who is speaking lies. And there is an enemy in the same way for you and me who wants us to buy in to certain lies so that we don't live the life God intends for you and I to live. So we're not effective the way that God wants you and I to be effective. We simply buy into lies so we eke our way through life, get to death, and move into eternity, and it's all good. But God has a better plan for you and me than that. And that's where we've got to leverage truth to defeat lies. Let me rewind in this conversation in John chapter 8. I'm going to pray in a second here. John 8 verse 31. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold 
to my teaching, you are really my disciples. And some of you are very familiar with this next verse. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's not hard to understand this idea that Jesus is painting. In, in John 8, verse 32, you will know the truth, and the truth, when it's effective in your life, is meant to set you free from old patterns, from old thinking, from old ways of living. Jesus came to liberate us, not just from eternity separated from God, but, but a life that's effective on this earth, full of salt and light, holding on to hope in a world of brokenness, Ryan said it last week so well about the life of Paul. Paul said, I went through being shipwrecked and spent a day and night out on the open sea. I was tortured. I was, you know, beaten with 39 lashes minus one. They threw stones at me to kill me over and over and over. Paul describes all that happened to him. And yet he held on to truth. That God, in the midst of all that was happening, was still present. And for you and I, we would be wise to pick up a cue from a guy like Paul. In particular, this idea that instead of when you and I face trials, when you and I face left-hand turns, when you and I walk into defeat and, and, and live there and camp there, instead of going, why is this happening to me? What if we instead asked ourselves and asked the Lord, what is it I need to learn in the midst of this? See, that perspective changes things drastically. If all we do is go, why is this happening to me? And instead go, what is it I need to learn in the midst of this? It's amazing how the difference in question is the difference in us learning and growing and us living in futility and failure. Truth versus lies. Jesus said you will hear the truth and the truth will make you free. It reminds me of the story of a brand new employee at a bank and, and as this individual is being trained, he's so afraid to, to take counterfeit bills because he's been warned by his boss. There are individuals that will come in here and every now and then you'll come across a counterfeit, but you cannot accept a counterfeit. And he's so concerned and so worried about a counterfeit that, that at one point he finally asked, look, in the midst of all that's going on here and all I'm supposed to learn, what's going to happen if I accept a counterfeit? I mean, how am I going to know that it's fake? And the, 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 the boss simply replied, here's the thing. The more you deal with the real thing, the easier it is to spot a counterfeit. And that's why, as a pastor, the idea for you and I, and I say it all the time, and some of you are so tired of it's 2020, does he not have a new message? That I say, we've got to be people that read scripture. We've got to be people that study scripture. Why? Because there are lies all over our world that the enemy wants us to buy into so that we're not effective, so that we're not full of salt and light, so that we give up on hope, so that we throw in the towel and simply exist and die and the world goes on. And that's what the enemy wants for you and for me. And yet... When you and I can operate in truth, there's a freedom. When you and I can operate in truth, the enemy doesn't get his way in our lives. And sometimes it means fighting the gates of hell that tries to come against us all the time. I love how Jesus was bold enough to declare 
to his disciples as he talked about, I'm going away, and where are you going, and we don't get it. And, and Jesus says, well, hold on. Fellas, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. If you and I want to live the life God intends us to live in 2020, it is imperative to hold on to a pretty simple life hack. Fight to live in truth. Fight to live in truth. There are individuals that, that you navigate some tough stuff, some dark times in life, and all of a sudden you, you, you buy into, I can't forgive. This is too much. The emotions are, are too high. I can't forgive. And yet over and over and over we read, and I just picked out one verse, but Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as in Christ God forgave you. How much does Jesus forgive you and I? Most of it. Nine, I'm just 95%. I mean, that feels good. No. We know that, that what God has done in Christ means that you and I are completely forgiven. And because you and I are completely forgiven of all of our sin, we are commanded to forgive others. And by the way, some of you that get hung up on forgiveness going, well, they, they've, they've never asked. We've never had a conversation. All we've done is played the silent game for 10 years now. There's no opportunity. I can't, you're not understanding that forgiveness in some ways has nothing to do with the other person. In some ways, understanding forgiveness is letting yourself get rid of that stuff that's trying to destroy you. And God is so concerned, again, about you not buying into that lie because when you live in unforgiveness, it's not healthy. You can forgive. There are some in here that, that you've been part of church world or you've been a follower of Christ for years and, and you've dealt with this same battle, a certain addiction, a certain issue, a certain problem, and you just think to yourself, I, I, I can't get over it. it. It's just how I am. I'll always be defeated. A couple of verses after Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free is verse 36, another one that many of you know. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Psalm 50 verse 15 says, Call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you. I mentioned not too long ago, one of my favorite verses, Battling Temptation. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. No temptation has seized you except what's common to mankind. But God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. And that works really well when you surrender to him. When you, again, going back to John 8, 32, knowing the truth, living that out, and seeing yourself set free. Some of you, it's similar to this last one, but this idea that change isn't possible. 
individuals that you, you think, well, I gave my life to Jesus, so I get to go to heaven, but I just am what I am. I am who I am. Change isn't possible. And I want to challenge you that, that if you heard some of the stories in this room, I was talking with a gal earlier today that literally said, do you know how I came to Christ? I said, no. He said, I was drunk walking through a church parking lot one Sunday morning. And one of the parking attendants literally grabbed my arm and said, hey, you should come into church. And so I stumbled into church. This is, I'm not joking. Somebody told me this in the lobby like an hour ago. And they're still going here. But anyway, so that's, that was, t- why did I do that? You know, like, come on. But literally, it said. The, so they introduced me to the pastor, and she said, I was falling over, and the pastor had to hold me up. But the pastor shared with me that day that God loved me so much that he paid the price for my life, and that I could be in church, and that I could give my life to him. And she said, that day, I committed my life to Christ, and I've been different ever since. There are stories sprinkled all over this room. I've shared mine before. I didn't grow up in church world. I was a perverted little kid running around the streets of Marysville, egging cars and trying to get away with all kinds of dumb stuff. Listening to music I shouldn't be listening to, horrible lyrics. But it is so fun to look back and go, look at what God can do. Some of you, look at what God can do. Believing that there is transformation, it is possible. Is anybody else a testimony to that besides me? Just raise your hands. Come on, look around, be encouraged by somebody. Raise your hands high. Don't be shy. Wear deodorant to church. Okay. <laughs> Change is possible. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Write it down. Memorize it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old things are gone, and behold, all things become new. Now, let me take you a little deeper into theology here because some of you need to understand this. It's this word, sanctification. It's this journey, this process that for you and I, none of us are perfect. Can we all just admit that? Are we all there? We're good. None of us are perfect. It means that when you leave here, at some point this week, you're going to sin. You're like, what an encouraging word today. Happy 2020. But there's something that's going to go sideways this week, but here's the beauty of it. Because you're on a journey, God's grace is enough to bring you to a place of forgiveness, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, 1 John 1, 10. If we claim to be without sin, we lie to ourselves and don't live in truth. We're going to sin. It's not a license to do it. It's a reminder that when we trip up, we come back and go, God, forgive me, because sanctification is the process of becoming more like Christ every day and being able to look back and go, hey, today from a year ago, I'm a bit different. Five years ago, I'm being changed. I'm not perfect yet. I'm on a journey. It's this idea, and some of you have never heard this before, of I am saved. The penalty for my sin has been paid for because of what Christ has done, and I've invited him to be my Lord. I am saved from my sin. I'm being saved, sanctification, becoming more like Christ every day, being saved, and I will be saved, meaning when I get to eternity, everything's good, and I get to be with God. It's a process, sanctification. Change is possible. There are people in here that that you walked in today, and you've battled with this idea that you're just a mistake, that you, you bought into the lie that your parents shared some story about, you know, you were conceived in the back of a Buick at some whatever, and... You know, you just feel like, oh, they always joke with me about that. But at the end of the day, you feel like your identity is wrapped up and it was a joke and a mistake. Or there's 10 other reasons 
why you feel that way. But I want to remind you, according to Psalm 139, and I'm talking the whole thing, write it down, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That you aren't a mistake, even if somebody tried to make you believe that or joked about it. That you're not it's just a big accident. Your life will always be an accident. You got to hold on to Romans 8.28. Some of you know this verse. It's a popular one. and You've quoted it before. And we know that in all things, God works for the good to them that love him and are called according to his purpose. God is working out even the mistakes in your life for something good. It's just a matter of leaning into trusting, going, God, even though I don't like this, even though I feel this way, even though this has happened, I'm trusting that you're working things out because I'm not a mistake. And some that struggle with along the same lines, does God really care about me? I want to continue. I mentioned Romans 8, 28. But let me read Romans 8, 31 through 39. What shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring a charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Who then is the one that condemns? No one is. Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God in Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? For it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No! In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus my Lord. You've got to defeat what the enemy says about you. You're not a loser. You're not a failure. You're not a mistake. You're not who you are. You are a child of God, and he loves you and has plans for your life. Look at 2020 differently and don't buy into the lies. And now I'm realizing I shouldn't have worn a jacket today because I'm sweating. (laughs) Christ's truth breaks Satan's lies. Christ's truth breaks Satan's lies. Satan's lies. One of the greatest lies you can believe is that there's not an actual enemy. He would love for you to believe that. And yet that's not true. The founding fathers of our faith are telling you there is an enemy who will fight you tooth and nail. And yet Jesus said, he that the son is set free is free indeed. The idea there is to live a life of purpose, a life full of hope. I'm always praying for people, and there's some in this room I'm praying for right now with stuff that you're going through. But I've been praying for a certain friend who's facing what seems like insurmountable obstacles. And um, my wife and I were taking a walk a couple of weeks ago in our neighborhood, and, and This person drove by and and stopped and rolled down the window, and we had a, a great conversation. But in the midst of all that's going on, here's what they said, literally. 
you know, God has only given me a couple of words right now. Hold on and trust me. And just a side note to that, sometimes it's not some big, long conversation. It's just a simple impression of a word or two. Hold on. Trust me. Their latest post on social media from a couple of days ago, and I asked for permission to share this. I happened to be looking at, at, at Facebook a bit, and I, I saw this, and I said, you know, could I share that? Because this is exactly what we're talking about as far as holding on to truth. Here, here's what it is. This is. I just copied and pasted this into my notes. I'm walking through a hard season right now. I know this is what I've been called to do, and it may well be the most important thing I ever do. So when I want to do things my way, I'll be obedient. When I want to throw in the towel, I'll be brave. When everything tells me nothing is going to change and there is no hope, I will believe. This current storm is bringing the rain required for beauty beyond what I could ever imagine. So I will fight the good fight, even when it's hard. And let me say, or let me tell you in all caps, it is hard. But there will be beauty from the ashes, one way or another. That's somebody holding on to truth, even when everything doesn't feel good right now. And I weep with them going through what they're going through because I hate it. And yet I'm so proud of them. And I I told them that. I said, I'm so, so proud of you. Because this isn't easy stuff. And you're sitting in here right now, and some of you, it's not easy stuff. But I'm telling you, do not give in to what the enemy's trying to do. Don't do it. Hold on. I've said even recently, don't doubt in the darkness what God has shown you in the light. And just because God seems you know, absent doesn't mean he is. That's operating in truth. See, I mentioned Luke chapter 4 In the reading plan, it came up, I think this was yesterday. But in Luke chapter 4, it literally walks us through what Jesus did. It says he was led into the the desert to be tempted, and somehow through these visions, this is how the conversation goes. He was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, Tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered. Everybody say, it is written. Remember that. Jesus answered, it is written. Man does not live on bread alone. Jesus, the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. Some this, this vision here. And he said to him, I will give you all the authority and splendor for it has been given to me. I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. Which by the way, he's a liar. So keep that in mind. Jesus answered, It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand up on the highest point of the temple. This vision, if you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here and watch what the enemy does. For it is written, he will guard or he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully and they will lift you up in their hands so you don't strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered, it is written, don't put the Lord your God to The test. How did Jesus combat these lies? It is written. And don't ever forget verse 13 of Luke 4. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until a more opportune time. Same is true for us. You can find victory one day, and the next day the enemy's trying to find a way in. 
And we're all familiar with that. Paul says, meditate, fix your mind, be disciplined mentally, and begin with whatsoever things are true. God, today, as we all face a battle, and and I hope it would be so clear for all of us, we face this battle. And Lord, throughout the, the, the days that we live, We navigate life and people have conversations and we hear pop culture and there's movie themes and there's music and there's sometimes just our own kind of mental processing that, God, we begin to buy into things that aren't true. And my prayer today is that we would be so vigilant about truth that we begin to, in a brand new way in 2020, dispel the enemy's lies, break the enemy's lies, God. I pray for some that need to overcome addiction, that they begin to believe and stand on the truth, that you paid the price, Lord, that we can be free. And if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. For some that feel like they're just a mistake, I pray they would hold on to that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. I pray, God, for some in this room that are, that are battling, Lord, for some the will to live, suicide for some, even now, and nobody likes to talk about it. God would begin to realize that you love them and care about them and know them and have a purpose for them. God, I pray for your freeing power in this room today, for your love to work in every single heart. Pray for victory. I pray for fresh faith. Pray people can walk out of here lighter even as they begin to pray right now under their breath. God, forgive me for believing that I'll always be addicted. Forgive me for believing that I can't forgive. Forgive me for believing that I was a mistake. Forgive me for believing that you don't care. There's so many ways to fill in that. Forgive me for believing and whatever that would be that today begins to lay the groundwork for us to operate, to live, to be vigilant about dwelling on what is true and not believing the father of lies. Thank you for all you've done that, can, that it can actually be accomplished in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Marysville Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.